Welcome back for part two of our interview with pastor, counselor, and chaplain, Reverend Ben Elvera, and his story from going from being a drug lord in Philadelphia to being used by God to bring others to Christ. And the first part of this story, if you haven't listened to that, definitely go back and listen to part yes. one in the last episode. But yes. in that story, we talked about more of his story of being a, a, a drug lord and coming to Christ and coming to repentance. And on this episode, we're focusing more on how God changed his life around and actually led him from being a drug lord to then saving others who had been um, in gangs and criminals and prostitutes and those who are broken, starting a counseling center going through seminary. There's so much in this one. This one's jam-packed with just tons of examples of God's faithfulness. So again, you don't want to miss part two. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to that first. Absolutely. Welcome to the Happy Holy Hour, a podcast where everyday Christians grow in their faith through biblical examination and insightful discussion. I'm glad you're here today. If you enjoy the content you're about to hear, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And visit us at thehappyholyhour.org. Let's get started. Because I spoke out against a drug dealer to put out a contract on me, in which they almost killed my wife. Wow. And they wanted to, they, uh, they had my, my oldest daughter trapped against the wall wow. when I came. And uh, I come to my house one day, and we used to live in a, apartments, townhouses, in which we had one, and my wife was the manager. And so a guy went to the office and pointed a gun at her. Mm. When she described him to me, I knew who he was. So I went to his house, smashed the door, grabbed him by the throat, and I told him, you do not touch my wife. Then I started talking to myself where I had him by the throat. So I have to get out of here. I can't stay here. My family. One of the elders of the church that we had started in Philly, he had moved to Florida, hmm. to Winter Haven, Florida. And he has said, Ben, whenever you want to come to paradise, come on down. <laughs> of course, Florida is not paradise because people live there. People live here because I'm living in Florida now. And so, uh, but we moved to Florida because of that, because of the contract. Hmm. And, and I put my, my family and my life in danger. Uh, and and other people, I mean, I mean, there's more than I could say about it because there was this uh, drug dealer that was shot and crippled, led mm. him to the Lord, and now his boss wanted to kill him, and I had to come between him and his boss. Mm. And so, and then years later, uh, I took him to church in Winter Haven, and I wanted to I wanted to go on the mission trip, so they wanted to come to Philadelphia. I go what? <laughs> and I go, that's great. Great, but I call my friend, who is a who's planted so many churches in Philly, and he said, "Police chaplain," but he does street services like three or four times a week, mm. and his church was known as the Church of No Names, of mm. exes, ex drug dealers, ex prostitutes, you name it. Mm. And so I told him, you know, I'm going to Philly, but you know, I haven't gone there since I left. And he said, don't worry about it, Ben. Do not worry about it. Then we went and we went to a street service. They have street services. My youngest daughter came with us because she could sing. All three of my kids could sing. Hmm. And so she sang. And then I was given the opportunity to present the gospel. 
And I'm staring at this man who is blind. And I'm staring at him. I know this guy. Know this guy. When the service was over and we were praying, I went to him and I said, I know you. And he said, yes, I'm the one that wanted to kill you. Hmm. Yeah, he came to the Lord. Wow. See, people, people, Presbyterians, you know, we, we're told that we do not believe in, in a God that answers prayer. Notice, I haven't used the word miracle hmm. because I believe that miracle, it was to prove that the prophet, the apostle spoke for God. Hmm. Biblical miracles. The miracles of Christ. That was to show that he was the Messiah. It wasn't so people can get healed and, and feel good because there was a lot of people that Jesus didn't heal, like the American Indians, or the Chinese, Japanese. There were people living in all those areas when he came to a small little place in Palestine. But he did it in order to prove that he was the Messiah. That's what Luke says. So then people tell me, so you don't believe that God healed the prayer? And I go, yeah, I believe in answer to prayer. But if I pray for someone and the Lord heals them, I'm not going to pack up my bags and go and I'm a great faith healer and become a multimillionaire in 30 days. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. I told them, no, that, that's not the case. So I, I use my words carefully. Uh, so I don't believe in biblical miracles, but I believe in a God who answers prayer. Mm. And, uh, and so the Lord bless us. Um, we from Florida then went to Florida, planted some churches. I got hit, punched out by a guy who was mm. drunk. I was talking to his brother. And when I hit the floor, I hit my chair and I collapsed. I hit my chair with my head, mm. the arm of my chair, and I collapsed. Uh, I couldn't move for, for months. And my whole body had swollen up. I had what is called rhabdomyolysis. Mm. Uh, which soldiers get them when they carry those 80 pound sacks so when I got in I was all swollen but I was still alive uh, Atlanta the Center for Disease Control they sent some of their people my wife who worked at Temple Hospital in Philadelphia she spoke to the doctors that she knew and one doctor told her I've been doing research and exactly that mm. so he contacted because the doctors in Florida had no idea what to do with me I was just laying there dying. And so, but then they concocted some stuff and fluid. After about two weeks, the swelling went down. But my left arm and my left wrist did not heal. And they were swollen. And it's, it's, a, it's a disease that next to advanced cancer is the most painful. Mm. Uh, uh, what Paula Abdul has it. Mm. That's why she was taking the medication that makes you wobbly and think as she was taking too much of it. Mm -hmm. And when she was in that show, uh, what is it called? The, the ridiculous show about the uh, idol. And she started speaking about a singer, but the guy hadn't sung yet. And she was critiquing his singing. Mm -hmm. And so they took her off the show. Jerry Lewis, the big comedian, he had it also. Hmm. Uh, you last about five years wow. because what happens is the pain becomes so much that you want to lay down you take advanced pain meditation when you lay down you die 
Mm. I've had it for over 20. Wow. And uh, I, my doctors, I was driving crazy. Even today, I told them, give me pain medication, but I don't want nothing addictive. Mm. I don't want anything that's going to put me in bed. So they had to comb the globe to try to find medication for me. And the medication that I take only heals it by about 50%. Like right now, in my left hand, uh, I can't bend it. If I do, it's going to hurt. Mm. I can't make a fist with my left hand. A few years ago, uh, I got it. It just went throughout my whole body. This is mm. why I was in Camden. The Lord brought us. If you want, you asked me about a Camden question. Yeah. The Lord then brought us from. from we went to Florida, planted some churches. When I got injured, therefore I could not pastor. I was wheelchair. I gave up church that I had started. And they didn't want me to give up. I told them, look, I, I cannot pastor. I don't want you paying me. So I came back, and that's when I went to seminary and took another year. Because I said, mm. if I can't pastor a church, I'm going to teach pastors. So the idea was for my wife and I uh, to move to the Philly area. The Lord took us to Camden, <laughs> not mm. Philly. Okay, <laughs> But I went to seminary. And while in Camden, in a uh, oh, now I, I I was in the OP when I moved from Florida. I went back. I was in the PCA while I was in Florida. Then I went back to the OP. I just I think they're more conservative than any other denomination. They're not sinless, believe me, <laughs> but they're better than most that I know. And so anyway, I went to the OPC, and right away they had me planning a church and planning a ministry in Camden. <laughs> so I started. A counseling ministry because Camden is was at that time was number one for murder in the United States. Mm-hmm. Chicago took its place, but it's still in the top five. Camden, uh, mm-hmm. you go there, you go to die. Uh, they don't even have a mall, and they don't have uh, the what's that organization? The the, the uh, all Christian organizations, uh, the, mm-hmm. the big one that uh, uh, they left Camden. Mm-hmm. It's too dangerous. Okay, but this guy has to, wanted to start a council ministry in Camden. So we met. I started visiting his OPC church and we met. He's bilingual too. And so he told me if I could help him start a ministry. And I told him, sure. And I told him, how much money you got? I thought he was going to say, you know, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. He had thirteen dollars. Hmm. So that means we had to beg. We went to Walmart. We went to. And then there was this building and right in the middle of the worst part of Camden. And the first floor was a clinic that the Catholic Church had started, but there was no hospital in the area. Mm. And girls who were pregnant, the first time they saw the doctor was when they were going to have the baby. Wow. That means there was a lot of death. Okay. Three out of five babies were dying. Wow. So they started that clinic but the second floor was empty the city was using it for a dump so we met with the mayor and we told him that we want that we want to use that for ministry that would be tremendous and he said well he has to talk to city council to see how much they would charge <laughs> we looked at him and we laughed <laughs> we didn't say we were going to rent it they're going to let us use it <laughs> or we're going to be here with the tv cameras <laughs> We're going to say that the mayor would rather use this building, second floor, 
as junk instead of giving it for two guys that are going to use it to teach people, to train people, to counsel people. So they gave it to us free. Then we had Walmart, and then they donated computers, uh, all office supplies. And then I developed a program, GED program. And I presented it at the time, Faith-Based Ministries in, in, in Trenton. But I didn't want them to tell me what to teach. So I developed my own program. And I, and I told them, okay, the, the, the thing that we're going to sign is that you're going to give us $50,000 if at the end of the year we got 11 people to take their GED pass and that 90% of those, which means nine of them, pass. And they said, yes, okay, I'll sign that. I developed for, for grammar, I developed a, a grammar course using the book of Ephesians. Hmm. Uh, the first, first lesson on history, I make this statement. If you take the church out of history, you have no history. Hmm. Or history is God's dealing with his people and the surrounding people that are not his people. Uh, they're just there to help his people. But uh, the, the main show of history is God's church. And so, and I, I said that. I taught math, remember? I, I didn't know the times table. I taught algebra one, algebra two. Uh, I don't know when I learned that. In English lit, history, I used to hate science. I only went to the, to the ninth grade in science. But now I was teaching some science. I was also doing counseling. And the thing that I was doing was abuse woman, mm. suicidal. There was this young girl, 18. She looked like she was 50, very skinny. She came to us one day. She wanted to get her GED, but I knew she wanted more. And so we sat down and we talked. And then I got my wife to talk to her. Hey, I'm talking to her. This is one afternoon. And my back is to the door. And I hear this voice, get over here. It was the guy that was selling her for drugs and mm. beating her. And I looked at her and I told her, you do not have to go if you do not want to. And she says, I do not want to. When I turned around, the guy had a blade, had a knife. At that time, the director, the guy that worked with me, big guy, he had called 911. And he was also walking towards the guy. And I told him, you want to stop? Because you see that guy, he already called the cops, and he's coming towards you, and he's angry. And if you come a couple of more steps towards me, you might get hurt. Because before you were born, I was one of you. So the guy ran, got arrested downstairs, charges against him, got the girl outside of the city. The last I talked to her, she was married with children. Hmm. And the Lord just, just blessed. So we've seen that. We've seen that. Oh, we've seen some failures. There was a, a girl that her stepfather uh, was a Satanist. The mom started coming to church. Uh, the girl was being beaten by her stepfather. The mom couldn't do anything. So we took the girl away. She started living at our house. They got put a curse on me, and I laughed. A few years later, he died. I did not. <laughs> and so, but she stole from the church. Hmm. And she stole jewelry from a church member. And I hmm. called her and I told her, sweetie, you could have stayed here. So you got married. Hmm. 
If we would have gotten you through college and everything, you would have had it made here. But I can't have someone that's stealing the church offering and stealing from members. And I warned you before. Now, when you go out, you go, you're going to tell people that I threw you out. You're not going to tell them the truth. But God, myself, and you know the truth. Mm. About two years later, she got arrested. Uh, and she got charged with manslaughter. Mm. Never heard from her again. Wow. So, see, so I've had my failure, but I've had my success. Mm. And I'd rather look at those. In fact, there was a church member that was telling me, okay, now that this girl stole from us, but Ben, are you going to stop having people live at your house? I said, why? What about these three people? Mm. No. Now, the last one that we had was four, was three girls. Oh, no. Then we had another girl. While we were in the Poconos, uh, after you left, mm-hmm. we had a girl for almost a year mm-hmm. living with us. You didn't know that. <laughs> she was a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I thought that wasn't going to happen again. But uh, only the Lord knows. But in Philly, we had kids living with us. In Florida, we had kids living with us. We had, uh, my wife has a large family. And her brothers and sisters, not believers. Most of them, and they had kids, and their kids were a mess, and they would come and knock on our door. And uh, we had a lot of them. There was this one girl that, uh, she was a mess. She's been married now. Wow, she has a son that's married. Oh, they're going on the 25th anniversary. Hmm. Yes. Uh, Her and her husband, who has been an undercover police officer, and fantastic. Yeah, she got married from our house. And so, see, so that's a success. They're believers. Their kids are believers. They're generational. Yeah. See? And so that's, I f- forget about the failure. I look at success. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things that when I started being called to pastor churches, I made a condition. I told them, look, uh, I don't like to go on cruises. My wife and I, we don't take thousands of dollars vacation. You're going to get me cheap. As long as I can pay my bills, put food on the table, etc., uh, you're going to pay me about two-thirds less than what you would pay somebody else who wants vacations and everything, okay? And when they would offer me the, the call, and I told them, no, that's too much money, let's cut it. But then I told them, but I want one thing, that extra money, I want an intern. Because mm. I want a Timothy and a Titus. And I haven't passed the church without an intern. Mm. Because that way then, now, like I go to Philly, I go to North Philly, I visit this church, and I look up at the guy preaching, and I go, man, the first time I saw him, he was throwing up on my feet, on my shoes, from being a drunk junkie. And now he's a pastor. Wow. And I said, wow, Lord, but why me? Because I'm not worthy. But to me, that's important for the next generation. Then the biggest shocker was a few years ago. When my son, who is an athlete, he got his degree, bachelor's degree in in, 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 sports, in in sports training. So he had he had professional athletes in which he would train them. Uh, and then one day he just comes to me and he said that I was teaching a Sunday school class and I was teaching that in adult Bible study. And the pastor who actually was the best man in my son's wedding. And some of the elders told him, you know, you should be in the ministry. So he's showing me that I want to be in the ministry. I want to be like you. I didn't know what to say. So I just said, go to seminary. 
So he won and he graduated this past uh, uh, June. And then in January, I was in, in, uh, in Jersey, the second week of January, because he was ordained and installed mm. in an OPC church. I mean, he had just finished seminary, and he's pastoring, and the church is doing great. Mm. Only been there for a few months, but the church is doing great. And his wife and his three children, and he went to seminary with three kids. And his wife, who just had high school, but she worked in the home selling luggage and stuff. And, mm. and I remember when they were doing their taxes, when they looked, their income, and my son tells his wife, you made more money than me. <laughs> and she said, yeah, that's why you can go to seminary. <laughs> and I told him, son, when you get your degree, remember that. Mm. Thank your wife. And so when somebody tells me, well, I got two kids. Notice I said two. <laughs> How can I go to seminary? And I go, oh, please. I had four. <laughs> Don't talk to me. Do not talk to me. And my kids always had food on the table. Always had a roof over their head. Sometimes at the last minute, the Lord would provide. When I was going to seminary after one year, I went to the office and I told them I'm not signing up for this semester because I just can't afford it. As I'm walking out, the office manager, she calls me back. And she said, wait a minute, wait a minute, Ben. She looks at my chart and she said, you are paid off till you graduate. And I go, excuse me? She said, yes, someone paid for all your seminary. And I go, but that's like $75,000. And she said, someone paid for your seminary. I find out later that a fellow student had told a friend of his, and she told her parents, and her father, uh, he's a millionaire, but he made a commitment to the Lord. That's the Lord blessing. He was going to separate money to pay for future pastors. Wow. So he paid my seminary. Wow. I could never afford that. My son, mostly all his seminary is paid for. Hmm. And I told him, you know, you, you don't take that, you don't take a supposed leap of faith. You have to think rationally, intelligently. Hmm. But please, don't tell me that you can't go because of lack of funds. Hmm. That, you can't tell me. You can get the funding. Okay, and and when you say, well, you know, I'm taking a chance, and I go, well, you see, you want guarantee, you want to have a church before you finish seminary, before you go to seminary, you want the guarantee by the denomination. So, what if you're an accountant and you get a job? It's on the other side of the country, and you're working as an accountant for this company, and then after a year, the company ceases to exist. What are you going to do? Yeah, but you promised that I had a job. Yeah, you had a job while they existed and while they needed you. So don't tell me that the ministry is different. Mm. The difference in the ministry is that you got a large family behind you. Mm -hmm. And so and so the Lord has blessed us in that way. Mm. Uh, about 11 years ago, uh, I was living in, in, in South Jersey, had two ministries. But then uh, I was getting tired out. And we started, oh yeah, by the way, we have now four OPC Reformed churches in Puerto Rico. Mm. I had prayed for the island because it's not evangelized, it's not Christian. The Christian that it has is either Roman Catholic, Jehovah Witness, or Pentecostal. Mm. Mm. Oh, there's some Baptist churches and all that, but no. Nah. 
the Pentecost was so the strongest. Mm. And the Reformed faith was not able to penetrate. Well, I said, yeah, right. And so uh, I got two churches first, two pastors. The churches were not Reformed at all. They didn't know anything about the Reformed faith. Now, the pastor, I met him in Florida. And I spent 18 months training him so he could get ordained by the PCA. He already was in another denomination. He's the guy that now lives around the corner from me. He retired from Puerto Rico. Hmm. But uh, he's another success, man. The Lord bless him. And now we got four churches in Puerto Rico. Praise OPC God. churches. Wow. Isn't that something? Yeah. I prayed for one. So the Lord, uh, I said, man, I, my God is, I think my God is too small. <laughs> so I got to pray for more. Now we got four and we got a mission church. Hmm. And so the PCA has been trying for years. CRC has been trying nothing. Small little Bible studies here and there. We mm. got four self-supporting churches. Wow. Praise God. You see? And we got then we got the, the guy that took over my friend's church when he retired. And he was around the corner from me, his pastor. That then we moved here. We got a Sunday school class in Spanish the church that we're attending and we had also a wednesday bible study in my house the COVID 19 virus kind of slowed us up uh i wanted to keep going but the people they got nervous uh because there's a counseling center here that i know they can they can use me and i was ready to go and everything uh and you know and i say hey you got me as a freebie because uh I wanted to train their counselors because they're not trained hmm. in biblical counseling. Uh, so that way it's not a revolving door. You know, people come in and people leave, people leave, but that the, the, the counselors are certified. And so, and they have four different centers. So it's a large uh, Christian counseling center. They don't just deal with drug addicts. And that's a problem. I said, because if you just deal with drug addicts, then that means people that have other things are not going to go. But if you have counselors that are trained, like I deal with, uh, oh, wow, with, uh, what is it, depression, uh, suicides, uh, all kinds of, people that got so-called road rage, uh, mm. split, dual personalities. Mm. Uh, oh, man, I can't. I mean, it's like a like hundred different diseases and everything. Mm. Uh, part of my, uh, part of my, my work for my, uh, for my degree was, that I took that DMS five now, uh, which has all this, all the psychiatric uh, diseases, and I took one after the other, and I saw if there's a biblical, if it, if there's a biblical similarity with it, and about thirty percent, uh, they changed the names, but it's biblical too, mm-hmm. but they're just counting the wrong way, hmm. uh, and so I, I was able to. Uh, I, man, it, the research, and now I, yeah, it's a DMS five. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, we do. Uh, uh, I have done a lot of counseling like that. Hmm. Uh, abuse woman dealt with it a lot. My expertise, believe it or not, is abuse children, hmm. and I dealt with that a lot. And most psychiatrists and or counselors that deal with abuse kids. They don't last more than five years. Right. Because the trauma, I, I was punched by a, by a, 
by your father because I confronted him because he was abusing, whipping his daughter. Mm. And we took her away and she, he punched me. Never going to do that again because then he was charged. I told the, the cops, I want to charge him. Yep, I want to spend a lot of time in jail. Mm. So then when you come out, come and see me again. Because I tell people our center was right there in the drugsville. Oh, this is a funny story. Okay. Sort of funny and sad at the same time. Uh, the mayor in Camden told all the pastors that if you're here during the evening, please wear the collar. That Roman Catholic collar, priestly collar. Right. Because drug dealers apparently still respect the Roman Catholic Church, Roman, Roman Catholicism, and the priests, because of their parents taught them that. So mm. they're less likely to kill the priest because a pastor was murdered. Mm. So I was wearing the collar, and I got a call at Cooper Hospital. That's the main trauma center there in Condom. And I was the only counselor that spoke in Spanish. Mm. And there was this 12-year-old girl who had been raped and beaten. And she was taken to the hospital, but she would not allow the doctors to touch her because there were men, and she had never been touched by men. So she was bleeding and kicking and screaming. So I come into the room and I spoke in Spanish. She stopped and she grabbed me and she started talking to me. And so I calmed her down. So I told the doctor, you got to get a lady doctor here, female doctor. So now they had to do a, a, a drug kit. And there was this male cop. I told man, you're not going to work. Come on, get me a lady cop. Hmm. But the girl wouldn't let me go. Hmm. She grabbed onto my hand. And so I was ministering at about 2 o'clock in the morning. I go to the parking garage. I had the collar on. Behind me then, I feel something in my back. And then the guy says, turn around. And he has a big gun pointed at me with two other guys. But when I turn around, he saw the collar. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, father. And he put the gun down. Well, it wasn't time for me to tell him that I'm not a priest. I told him, that's okay, my son. <laughs> then he asked me for something that I had no idea how to do. He asked to bless him, to give him a blessing. Well, I never learned how to do that Roman Catholic thing, you know, where you touch your head, etc. So I stood back, and I just did the tic-tac-toe sign. Tic-tac-toe. And I went two up and two sides. And then I said, bless you. And he stared at me. I went to my car and I saw him and he's trying to figure out, you know, is this a new Roman Catholic thing? <laughs> and, then, and then I left. So you kind of learn uh, to deal with these kind of characters. <sighs> but if one shows any fear, that's it. They're useless. And I had people that wanted to, to minister, to help me in a counseling center. But then they got afraid when a dealer came to him. Or, or they crossed the street when they saw some, some guys that were stoned or drunk. I crossed the street to walk towards them, not away mm. from them. So I would, I remember telling this guy, you're, you're not, you know, either you're going to pastor a suburban church or whatever you did be, before you went to seminary, that's what you're going to do. But you're useless to me because you're scared. Mm. And they see it. And I told them, plus, be careful what you tell them they're going to hold you accountable hmm. I remember that this 13, 13 year old boy and I witnessed to him and he was getting high 
just for marijuana at the time. And then I made this statement. Whenever you want to talk, I told him, you have to talk to your father. And so when you're willing to do that, and you want to talk, give me a call. He called me. The day after that, it was my Greek final. And I go, oh, no, I got to study. Am I going to study or am I going to meet this boy? Forgot about study, met the boy. Went to his house. He told his father what he did. His father was ready to hit him. I came before the two. And I said, sir, you would never know if he didn't tell you. So calm down. He did calm down. And then the boy quit smoking, got the help that he needed. I consulted him. I got a C in Greek. It was the only C I ever got in seminary, and it was my best grade. Mm. Oh, wow. See? Because, you know, and I told my son, you know, the pressures of a seminary, I told him, but remember, you have a family. Mm. You have a church family. And so, you know, don't give those things up. I told him, because your pastor's going to hold you accountable, your session's going to hold you accountable, and I'm going to hold you accountable. Because I'm going to ask your wife. I'm not going to ask you if you're spending time with her and the kids. I'm going to ask her, and I'm going to ask the kids. Mm. Not you. And so, but he did it, you see? And so, you know, you got to say what you mean and mean what you say. Mm, yeah. Now, when we moved to Streamside, at first, I didn't want to go. But at the time, I was another church and group took over the ministry that we had in Canada. It's still there. Okay. But now with the churches in Puerto Rico, I was the one that would go back and forth because I was training them in the reformed faith. So, and especially, especially because the churches that the churches were knew the, uh, the pastor was reformed, but his church was not. Mm -hmm. So I had to help him. And we hope that, you know, few people left when you start with infant baptism. The big one was dispensationalism. We're not. But we didn't lose a family. Mm. I thought that we would, but we didn't. So my wife wanted to move to a place where she could have peace for a while. That's why we moved to Streamside. And my youngest daughter, who her husband worked there, uh, uh, she was tired of him coming at from home and they, they live right there but at 8 o'clock at night he was coming home because the secretary that they had the office manager she still was using a typewriter hmm. you see so my daughter wanted my wife to come so we went we looked at the place and I said okay if I'm staying in that house I have an office and we do have an airport Allentown that directly to Puerto Rico so I told my wife I don't care where we live as long as I have that I have an office and it got even better than that because then I taught at the camp. And I was able then to meet some young men. You were part of that group, <laughs> uh, which now one is already finished college, going to seminary. Mm -hmm. uh, and then now Gregory is, is doing college and he's going to go to seminary. Mm -hmm. Two kids, but his wife already told him, I'm tired of you complaining about your job where you want a job where you're in God's word consistently and working with people. Mm. So that's what my wife told me. She was tired of it. That's why you're going to go. You're going to go to the ministry. And so we moved there and it was fun. I also taught a Christian school 
where I told high school five subjects at a Christian school, including chemistry. Because hmm. when I lived in Florida, I got a job at a company which was owned by Procter and Gamble, and I got a job at the lab, and I learned chemistry. I didn't know what was chemistry, <laughs> and then I was now I'm teaching high school chemistry, and I <laughs> I, I sit down and I go, "Why, Lord?" How did I get this? And I could memorize all those. Oh, man. It's, chemistry is the hardest subject. Mm. It is the worst. And then I, I was teaching Algebra 1 and Algebra 2. In fact, one of the uh, the daughters, of, you know, one of the men that live across, mm-hmm. that now she's in finishing off her second year at Geneva. And this mm-hmm. girl kept flunking Algebra. Mm. And so her mom, you know, they lived across the street from me. Mom asked if I could tutor her. So I tutor her, and in six months, she passed algebra, and now she's going to Geneva because she wants to study to be a missionary. Mm. You know, this is the girl that talks a lot. Mm. And she wants to be a missionary now. It was, wow, at first she wanted to be a movie star. Now she wants to be a missionary. And so, see, and so the Lord, you know, he blesses. Yeah. He blesses. Absolutely. You know, and, yeah. yeah. And the Lord, he blesses. And so now, you know, I'm here, don't know where I'm going to be next year. Hmm. But I know that, you know, we got this church that we're going to, and now we've got a Sunday school class back. Hmm. And I, I want to start a Bible study because now we got, watch this one, we got a family that used to be Pentecostal when I was in Philadelphia. And I led them to the Reformed faith, who her brother-in-law was an elder of my church in Philadelphia. My wife got him a job here in Florida. And then I trained him to be a pastor in a Hispanic mm-hmm. church, a Reformed church, recently retired. Well, this woman, sister-in-law, just moved about 20 minutes away from my house, mm-hmm. about 20 minutes away from our Reformed church. Her, her husband, her son, her daughter, and their kids. And they're all going to start going to this church. Mm-hmm. And so that's a Bible study right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And especially because... The, the daughter and son, they really need to reform faith better. And her husband just loves the way I teach and preach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I go, yeah, he's just fantastic. And I go, why? Uh, I, I don't I don't see myself any, as anything special. Mm. It's just the Lord uses it. You know, and then there's pocket of things that just happen. Like five years ago, I got an email. Okay? Uh, and the guy, the, I thought it was a girl. Because it has, oh, well, I forgot the name, but it, it's a girl's name. But it's this guy's name is pronounced differently in Spanish than in English because he's from Cuba, living mm. in Cuba with three other pastors. Mm. And he's emailing me repenting because he got some of my sermons and he's preaching them mm. in Cuba. And I told him, you don't have to apologize for that. I have to repent for that. I don't think they're that good. Talking about anything that you can get, I'll put stuff in. Mm. And if you want it, it's yours. Wow. So mm. now we got guys in Cuba that are presenting their Reformed faith. Mm. We've wow. got one guy who's, there's one guy, his name is Joyce. <laughs> it's pronounced Joyce in Cuban. Okay? But it's spelled Joyce. And he, uh, and now he's writing stuff hmm. because he got into 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 uh, these freebies that you have on the internet where you can learn Greek. You can. There's no excuse for learning. 
Hmm. Because when you have you have seminaries that give you free courses. By the way, my uh, my, my wife's ex pastor, he has started he has started a class. Uh, it, it's a freebie, seminary level class on presuppositionalism. That's Lane Timpton. Yep, Lane Timpton, and it's a freebie. You want to learn systematically. You want to learn why I'm the Italian and presuppositionalist? Mm. Well, you take that course. Mm. Uh, and you can go to, there's there's uh, Scott Oliphant, mm -hmm. uh, course in systematic theology. Uh, you can, uh, the seminary over here in Florida, mm -hmm. uh, you can actually go to seminary without leaving your house mm. and get a Masters of Divinity. Mm. And I'm talking about the same courses that you would get if you went to the seminary. Like, for example, uh, Reformed Seminary here in, in Orlando. Mm -hmm. Westminster is moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, uh, my son took about 25% of his classes he took at home. Mm -hmm. Because from where he lived to Westminster was like an hour and a half drive. Mm -hmm. And so he only had to go twice a week because he took some classes at home. Well, I've talked a lot. Yeah. Well, I hope that I said what needed to be said. Uh, the thing that I would leave you guys with is, you know, don't don't worry about. To me, well, let me put it this way: to me, if you're doing ministry, you're not a failure. Mm -hmm. uh, there was this youth director of one of the OP churches, and he was dejected because he started this youth ministry, and the first. Friday said there was like 60 young people but then after a few months it went down to 11 and he said he's a failure and I go excuse me while those 60 were there did you presented them with the gospel and he said yes okay then you're not a failure because that's your job mm -hmm. your job is not to save people and you got those 11 concentrate on them and be joyful that you got them mm -hmm. but you're going to lose them too I told him, get over it. It's not about you. Mm. And so to me, there is no failure if you're doing what the Lord told you to do and you're mm -hmm. presenting the gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, we're epistles and for the people to read us, we got to be bold. We got to be willing to, you know, to take our hits. Mm. Uh, but, you know, you got to stay firm to scripture. Uh, yeah. The church that we're attending, they never stop having services. Mm. that's why I'm still there. Because the Bible doesn't say, you know, thou shalt meet uh, the, the first day of the week, except when, no, no. Mm -hmm. Providentially hindered, I could understand that. If you can't, but you can then see your service through the internet if you can't attend. But mm -hmm. because the human government says you can't, no. What happened to, are we going to serve man or God? Mm. And so you got to be faithful. Yeah. And God blesses that faithfulness. And sometimes you got to put yourself out there. And here I am in the small town in Florida. But uh, already my wife knows we live in this. We have a nice small house in this place. And uh, there's about 80 or so families and i think my wife knows about 40 percent of the ladies mm. she just walks around 
and begins to talk to them. And now they come and they knock on our door to talk to her. Uh, she started going to Zumba classes to meet with these ladies, and she's presenting them with the gospel. Because mm. most of them are not believers. Why? Because they live here. They own the house here. It's because they're rich. Mm. And there's some of those winter residents. And so she's able to witness to them. Mm. And so that, you know, you just got to look for those open doors, and you walk in. But mm. your kids, Travis, when they get older, they're going to have the best testimony that anyone can have. Amen. See, they're going to have the best yeah. because they're going to say, uh, the Lord kept me. Mm. And I have nine natural grandchildren. And out of the nine, six are old enough that they're members of their churches, mm. reformed churches. So out of six out of the nine, the other three are growing so that they, they're going to become members. Amen. They're all baptized into the covenant when they were babies. And uh, God doesn't promise that all our children are going to be saved and that they're part of the covenant. That doesn't guarantee it. But you know what guarantees the salvation? If they've been elect. Mm -hmm. But since we don't know who's elect, we got to teach we got to teach the same thing that we teach to Jacob. We got to teach Esau while we got him. Yeah. And so you just teach them and do, uh, you expand the church. Yeah. And is your buddy there? Is he married? He will be soon in about Whoa. a month. Yep. Yep. Wow. Very soon. <laughs> yeah. I got to wow. say, I got to say, Ben, one, it's been a privilege to hear your story yeah. and your testimony. And oh, the, one word that I could use to summarize the whole thing is just faithfulness, God's mm -hmm. faithfulness to you yes. and, and, and to his church and to his mm -hmm. people. And it's it's truly an amazing testimony of God uh, just calling his people to himself and mm -hmm. using his people for his glory. I, I, yeah. I, I'm blown away. I, I, I was speechless pretty much the whole time. I was oh, look, sorry. <laughs> no, no, Uncle Ben, you know, we really appreciate you having, you know, you coming on and spending the time to, to talk. Yeah, I want to see you guys come over here. Yeah, no, I'd love yeah. to. I'd, we, we should. Yeah. Maybe sometime we'll come down and we'll do a video version of this. Yeah. That'd be fun. So here's the way, here's the way I put it. That God just loves to take what the world considers as nothing hmm. and glorifying himself with them. Yeah. And so I was a nothing, a nobody. Should have been dead on numerous occasions. You know, it was at the camp. Mm -hmm. I got ill. I was rushed to the hospital. I was bleeding to death just a few years ago. Yep. And I was laid in the hospital bed, and they couldn't stop the bleeding. They gave me blood transfusion. This is why I was at the camp. Yep. And, uh, and I just, and then I was knocked out. The doctor came in, and the doctor female she told my wife that there's two options, blood transfusion and see if they work, or you can just make him comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't speak, but I was thinking, make me comfortable, make me comfortable. And my wife said blood transfusion. I mean, I said blood transfusion, don't make me comfortable. <laughs> make me comfortable meaning that they were going to let me die. Mm -hmm. And so I got the blood transfusion, and a week later I was home. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the Lord just, you know, and sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. I have a, a 
I have one of my grandkids. Uh, when he was born, he was given a day to live. Wow. It's Noah, my daughter's mm-hmm. son. Uh, this week, he turned 16. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't breathe. He couldn't urinate. Uh, his kidneys were shut. And they told my daughter, you got to take him off the machine because he only has a few days. And it, 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 there's no use. When they were going to take him off the machine, a nurse that got attached to him because he had all these tubes and everything said if if his if his uh if his bladder is shut, if his kidneys are shut, how come he's urinating? Hmm. And we said, Stop, no machine. No, you keep him alive. Hmm. I told the doctor, you keep him alive. And a week later he was home. Mm. And now he's going to be 16. In wow. fact, the uh, newspaper in Tampa called him the miracle baby. Mm. I wouldn't use that terminology. But I remember one of our pastors, you know, Reverend Ross Graham. Mm-hmm. We had prayed for him. We had churches We had churches in Japan praying for him. Mm. The Lord answered prayer. And I remember after when he was two years old and we went went to a conference in, in Florida. At that time, my daughter lived here in Florida. And Ross Graham was there. Ross Graham had prayed for him. And Ross Graham is about six foot two. I'm like five feet eight. So I'm standing between Ross Graham and Noah. And Ross Graham says, that's the baby that we were praying for? And I go, yes. And the baby runs right past me to Ross Graham. I mean, he did it because Russ Graham is tall and he had to be up in the air. But mm-hmm. that there was this connection between him. Mm-hmm. Ross just started crying. Mm-hmm. Ross just started crying. You see, and and I told my daughter, you know, we prayed and the Lord said yes. Mm-hmm. Next time he might say no. He's still Lord, no matter what. So we can't depend on the extraordinary mm-hmm. because it's the day by day by day. And that's the way the Lord works. Yeah, that's the way He works. Anyway, I shut up, and now was your turn. <laughs> yeah. No. Again, Ben, thank you so much for taking the time to to join no us problem. today. You you do have an incredible story, and you know it's it's really God's story of wa- working through you. You know, and um, yes, it is. I'm so glad our listeners got to hear just a small part of it. Um, and I, you know, I want to thank them for joining us again for another episode of the Happy Holy Hour. Uh, I'll just close with this. This is one thing that you told me um, before I had gone into ministry. You told me that if you want to go into ministry, you have to have a big heart and thick skin. And I don't think I'll ever forget that. That uh, There are many <laughs> things you taught me, but that one line has always stood out to me. And I think that sums you up uh, perfectly. You have a big heart and you have thick skin. So again, Uncle Ben, I want to thank you for joining us. All right. Well, that was Reverend Ben Elvera, again, giving his story and really just knowing him personally. This is just a a really summary, even though it was a longer interview, it's still only just a summary of all the different things. He has so many other stories like that as well. Can you imagine? I feel Um, I've only known him for the last two hours or so, and I feel like I know him entirely. It's crazy. I, I, I could not. Like I was glued into the story yeah. the whole time. I mean, just from the beginnings of how he grew up and and his teenage years into how God had just used the people around him to transform him and give him a new heart. Yeah. And then that new heart literally like 
just sent him into ministry like a rocket ship. Yeah, he, he's always been an inspiration to me. You know, again, if you if you look at him as as just a man and and where he grew up and everything, you wouldn't think much of him but when you get to know him you know his just heart for the lord he is you know god has been faithful to him but he has also been faithful and always been committed to the word of god and ministry everywhere he goes he's always (laughs) looking for someone to share the gospel with someone to to disciple to mentor and you know it's incredible He, he has you know three children, but all the adopted children and grandchildren they brought in and raised in their home or, and, you know, even me taking me in as a, when I was an intern. And, um, you know, when we get to heaven one day, I think there'll be hundreds, mm. you know, if not thousands that, you know, were, were God used Ben to reach them in some way for the gospel and to strengthen their walk with the Lord. So, you know, what an example for us. And, and yeah, just, just the nature of his story is just so captivating. Even to have one, you know, to have one experience like <laughs> you talked about normally is... Um, like life-altering. You know, life-altering and insane, you know, like that's your highlight story. But he has like... Dozens of them. Dozens of them, <laughs> you know, getting a gun pointed at him, getting beat, what, all these different things are just time and time again. And somehow God has... <laughs> preserved his life through all of this um but such a such a powerful story and um just what a man of god and what an inspiration an example you know when i listen to that i feel convicted in my own uh, heart and i say you know it's kind of like i now go and do likewise like he's someone who i can look to and say Hmm. like he's what we need to to be like you know just like paul said you know follow my example as i follow christ yeah i think we look at him and say okay we need to go and do likewise. So what a what a challenge for the church. Yeah, you know? and just the way God made himself evident to him mm-hmm. in so many ways yeah. in his life and was faithful mm-hmm. in calling him back to himself. And yeah. just an amazing story. And, and yeah, he's so humble too yeah. about it. You would um, never know. You would never really know these stories just yeah. by... You know, by looking at him, but yeah, and and even though as he's telling the story, he doesn't say it prideful or anything like that. Right. He's so humble about things, but yeah, definitely an inspiration. For me. Awesome story, super yeah. awesome story. Well, thank you for tuning in for this set of interviews. We really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, we hope that you got something out of it and uh, just enjoyed listening to these stories. Uh, thank you for joining us today on the Happy Holy Hour. If you have any questions about any of this or you want to have a deeper conversation with one of us about what it means to be a Christ follower, please don't hesitate to reach out. Our email address is happyholyhour at gmail.com. Send us an email or connect with us over social media, and we'd be glad to connect with you in that way. You can also leave us a voice message at our voicemail inbox at 484 961 Please send us your questions and your comments, and we would love to address them on the show. Um, also, prayerfully consider making a financial donation to the podcast. I mean, we are humbled that God has been using this podcast to share the gospel and to encourage individuals around the world, but it does cost us money to produce this podcast. And uh, much of what we're currently doing is we're, we're covering it ourselves because we know this has been a difficult year for people and giving isn't maybe at the top of mm-hmm. people's priority list. But consider donating to this podcast because we can't make this happen without you. We would appreciate your financial support. And if that's not an option, please continue to pray for the podcast. Mm-hmm. We would appreciate that as well. Remember to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Leave a review so others can find the show and visit our website for some really helpful resources. All right, until next time, God bless.